0: Well, as we gather together today, uh, this weekend, we're going to finish up our sermon series on Ephesians and talking about a God who works beyond our imagination in so many different ways. We started that off seven weeks ago when we talked about how it was God who He chose us, He picked us, He adopted us, and not from our birth, not from our baptism, but before the foundation of the world. Before anyone, your parents, even knew that there was going to be a you, God chose you. That's beyond imagination. And then he offered to you a grace that is beyond imaginations. We saw that in Ephesians 2, where he says, Though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, though we had nothing to offer God, that God, purely out of his grace, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it is the gift of God. And then he talked about, Paul did, about how we were created on purpose as God's workmanship for a purpose, the work that he created us to do. And then in chapter 3 we talked about how how God in his infinite grace and according to his power does more than we could ever ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. And those were those first three chapters where we really focused on remember who you are and the wealth of the riches of the mercy of God that is found in Jesus Christ. For you, and he set up this, this foundation for us of, of understanding our identity in Jesus Christ, and then in understanding who we are, God then tells us, because of who you are, this is why you 're here. remember why you 're here. and so he used five walk commands in verse in chapters four and five to help us understand the purpose for which God created us. And he started off by saying, God created you so that you would be equipped to do the work of ministry. It's not just the work of paid professionals and pastors and DCEs and deaconesses and and worship directors and principals and teachers, but it's the work of them to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We all have a ministry to do. And it's not just here in these walls, but it's wherever God sends us. And then he talked about how therefore we should walk We should walk in a manner that is worthy. We should walk in holiness. We should walk in love. We should walk as children of the light. We should walk in wisdom. And around those five walk commands, He gives us a a picture of our calling And then flowing out of that, he says, and therefore your families should look different. Your workplaces should look different. How you treat one another should look differently. We heard that last week uh, when Pastor Pavlov was here and he, he spoke about how our relationships should look different because God has cleansed us. God has made us holy by his blood so that we can have different types of relationships. And this weekend, we're going to look at, as, as he culminates everything together, we're going to look at how Paul calls us to battle this armor of God, this picture of the armor of God, and why is it so significant? Let's, let's pray, though, as we begin our time. Heavenly Father, thank you for how you speak to us in your word and how you know what we need and when we need it, and you equip us for that which we face. Bless us this morning as we spend time in your word, as we look at what this calling is that you have placed upon us, so that we, as your people, might be prepared for that which we face. Empower us this morning through your word and your message. In Jesus' name, amen. So this weekend there were a whole lot of graduations. Anybody have a graduation or know somebody that had a graduation this week? Anyone? A few of you? Yeah. So uh, my son graduated kindergarten this week and then my daughter graduated eighth grade and so uh, we were very familiar with graduations this past week as we celebrated those. And, and then there were graduation pictures all over Facebook. People are graduating high school and college and seminary graduations and, and, and just tons of graduations. And one of the things you notice about all these pictures is they dress a certain way for graduation, don't they? Right? Like they have the cap and the gown, and they can decorate the cap any way they want to. Now I guess that's a new trend that they do, but but there's the decorate. But they wear the cap and the gown because you dress in a certain way for a destination and an occasion. You ever notice that? The way you dress reflects your destination and your occasion, right? I mean, it would be ridiculous if you showed up for your graduation in scuba gear, right? Like that would make no sense. But it would also be ridiculous if you went scuba diving dressed like you would for graduation. It would make no sense. It would be awkward to show up for a football practice dressed to go to the beach, It would also be awkward to go to the beach dressed for football practice, unless you were having a beach practice, right? Like you dress in a specific way for your destination and for the occasion for which you are about to undergo. How you dress matters because there are different situations in life that you need to be dressed differently to be prepared for what you are about to go through. This is what our text is going to talk about today. It is saying that you and I, we have a destination and we have an occasion. The destination is heaven and eternal life. But the occasion that we face is the warfare that's around us. And you and I, we need to be dressed for the destination and the occasion of the battles we're going to face. Because you and I, like it or not, we are going to face battles throughout our life. And we know that. We face battles with our children or grandchildren sometimes. We face battles with our spouses we face battles with our bosses or with our coworkers, or with our company that we work for. We face battles of priorities and values. We face financial battles. We face health battles. We face circumstantial battles. You and I, we face battles throughout our life. But in the midst of all those battles, the question is, what is the greatest battle of my life? And am I adequately dressed for that battle? What is the greatest battle of your life? And are you adequately dressed? Are you prepared for that battle? Because if we are inadequately prepared for the battles of our life, then we will go through those battles and we will fail them. If we're not trained for them, if we're not taught how to deal with them, if we have bad examples in our life, if we're unprepared, for the greatest battle of our life, we will fail to be victorious in that battle. And Paul is going to say to us today, in the battle that you face, you need to suit up. Suit up for battle. Be prepared, but how? How do we suit up? So let's take a look at that. If you would open up the Bibles in front of you and open them up to Ephesians chapter 6, you can find that on page 979. Or if you brought your Bible from home, awesome. I always encourage you, bring your Bible from home. If you want to make notes in it, write in it, um, just jot down ideas or thoughts in it, that's wonderful as well. But but open up to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're using the Bible in front of you, it's page 979, page 979. We're going to look at what Paul is saying here. As we travel through this text, we do understand the riches of the mercy of God. And out of the riches of the mercy of God, He has shown us how to walk, so that in walking in a way that is worthy of the calling to which we have received, Ephesians chapter 4, that we might be prepared for the battle that we are about to face. That's what He's going to talk about here is this battle. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. To stand firm. Do you notice how Paul starts here? He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. He reminds us where our strength comes from. And our strength doesn't come from inside of us. And that's oftentimes where we look. In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our battles, in the midst of the things that we face, we think that if we just work harder, or if we were just a little bit stronger, or if we had a little more fortitude, or we had a little bit more learning, or a little more understanding, that we would be able to stand on our own. But Paul here reminds us that in the midst of the real battle we face, that there is no way that you can stand on your own. In fact, uh, in in America today, in our culture today, we try to be very self-sufficient. And we believe we should be self-sufficient. Like I can do it on my own. I can take care of myself. And Paul reminds us here, you are not self-sufficient and you will never be self-sufficient because there are battles and there are struggles that are greater than you. And so he points us to the only place that we can find strength in the midst of the struggles that we face. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his strength. This summer, there are going to be a a whole lot of kids going out and swimming. And I I saw actually pictures already on Facebook and pictures have been shared all over the place of, of kids who have gone out and they've already gone swimming. And I love watching uh, children as they go up on the diving board. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, that they they get up there, they climb up the ladder, and, and they're all brave. They are very brave until they get to the end of the diving board. You ever seen a child like that, right? And then they look down and they see something like this. And it might not even be the high dive, like this is a picture from the high dive. It might even be just the low diving board. But to them, it looks like the high dive. And they look down, and they look over at their parents like, uh-uh, right? And then they turn around and then they have to climb down the ladder while all the other kids are climbing up the ladder and they're like climbing around and they're just going to fall anyways. You're like, you might as well have just jumped into the water at this point. It's a whole lot safer. But, but like they look and they don't. But I always love the kids who, who, who get to the end of the diving board and they will look down and then they'll look at their parents and their parents will be like, you can do it, buddy. You can jump. You've got this. And every once in a while, uh, the dad or the mom will get into the swimming pool and they'll go near the bottom of the diving board like, come on, bud, I'm right here. Don't worry about it. If you fall, I'll catch you. If you go under, I'll bring you up. I've got you. I think this is what Paul is reminding us of. When they're at the top of the diving board, they don't find strength in themselves. They find strength by looking to the one who's stronger than them. And so it is for us. We don't find strength in ourselves, but we find strength in the one who says, if you go under, I'll bring you up. If you're struggling, I'm there to save you. I have already. That I am there for you. You don't have to fight this battle in your own strength. You can't, but I've fought the battle for you. And the victory is already yours because I've already overcome this world, Jesus tells us. And Paul reminds us, that as we are going through this warfare, don't be strong in yourself, but be strong in the one who is strong for you. And it's only in that way can you stand. He he repeats that word stand four times, three times in what what I just read, and then in verse 14, he will say stand again. He says, stand, stand firm. But the only way you can stand firm, he says, is if you put on this armor of God. It is only in the armor of God that you can stand firm because because you have an enemy and there is an enemy that's attacking you, but it's not always the enemy you think it is. Because many times we face enemies in this world and we think that's all that it is, but but Paul reminds us that your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is not just your children or your spouse. Your enemy is not just somebody of a different political party than you are. Your enemy is, is not your boss or a coworker or your job or your finances. Your enemy is more than flesh and blood. He says, "There is an enemy, a greater enemy, the spiritual forces of evil, that seek to attack God's people. You know, we who who believe in angels and we we believe in in, in angels who surround us and care for God's people, if we believe in, in spiritual forces of good, then there is no reason we should not believe, as God's Word tells us, that there are also spiritual forces of evil that wage war against our soul. And if we have spiritual forces of evil that wage war against us, then we don't need physical weapons, we need spiritual weapons, because there is a greater battle that's taking place than what we can handle on our own. And those who were were hearing this being written to them in Ephesus, in that church at Ephesus, would have totally understood this, because they stood in the shadow of the temple of Artemis. They stood in the shadow of of what were considered magical cults. If you read Acts chapter 19, one of the things that Paul faced in Ephesus when he was teaching and preaching in Ephesus where there were magical cults that stood against him. They would have understood that there were these people who believed in these evil forces and would have tried to leverage them to do the things that they had wanted to do. And Paul said, there are spiritual forces of evil that are waging war against your soul. And we need to take seriously that Satan seeks to attack God's church through temptation, through discouragement, through sin, through deception, through lust, through anger, through greed... In fact, Paul's already warned us about this. If you look at back at, at Ephesians chapter 4, just, just flip to the left side of that page. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. Paul says in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now notice, he says this anger that you have, it's not just your anger. He says don't give an opportunity to the devil in the midst of that says, there's something greater going on. And then he goes on and says, says, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building up. He's saying there are spiritual forces that are waging war so that you would turn against God and do what is evil. Or chapter 5, verse 3. Paul says, But sexual immorality and all impurity and all covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no foolishness or filthiness or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He is saying there is a greater war that is waging for your life than the things that you can see. Satan is trying to frustrate the church and its mission. He is trying to distract us from the work that we would do. He is trying to make us so busy that by being busy, we would miss out on what God is seeking to do in and through his church. I was once reminded that if Satan can't make us bad, Satan will oftentimes make us busy. Because when we're busy... We miss doing the great things that God has in store for us because we're so busy doing the things that we have in store for ourselves. You know, we are reminded throughout scripture that Satan is like that prowling, roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Matt Chandler, a pastor in Texas, says it this way. He says, we are running a marathon, being stalked by our enemy and haunted by our flesh. That's the spiritual warfare we face. The enemy is stalking us. He is seeking to attack us. And if we don't believe it, well, Jesus himself was attacked. Satan attacked Jesus in the temptations of the wilderness. Uh, Jesus saw when Peter uh, said to him, Lord, I will never let you go to the cross. Uh, Jesus saw that as a spiritual attack because he looked at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. See, we need to understand that it is more than just flesh and blood, and our problem in the midst of this is, number one, is we don't always believe it's a spiritual attack. That there are spiritual attacks. And when we don't see our real enemy, we can't be prepared to defend ourselves against the real enemy we face. And the second struggle that we have is sometimes we believe that we are strong enough to do this on our own, but we are not. And you are, and I. Our greatest battle, our worst enemy, our hardest conflict is not flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual assault that is coming for our soul. And if we understood, if we truly believed that this assault, this spiritual assault, was coming for us, we would prepare differently. But I need to tell you that Satan is—he is coming for our marriages. He's coming for our children. He's coming for our church. He's coming for our souls because Satan wants that which is God's. And God seeks to protect what is his and Satan seeks to steal it. If you don't believe it, look at the culture today. Look at what the culture is trying to teach us, trying to instill on our families, trying to instill on our children, trying to instill in our schools. Look at the culture and what it is speaking into our lives. If you don't think Satan is attacking through that, then you're missing out on what God is saying versus what this culture is saying and the difference that there is. And there is not another thing outside of God that could defend us from it. Another soccer practice or basketball practice isn't going to help our children defend themselves against a spiritual attack. Another day at the beach or a Sunday sleeping in isn't going to defend us from the spiritual attack that wages war against our soul. Another self-help book or, or, or counseling isn't going to help us. It is only what God outfits us with. And so Paul reminds us what defends us against that which attacks us. Paul says, therefore put on the whole armor of God. When Paul says this, Paul would have actually probably have been seeing a soldier. In fact, at the very end, it says, I'm an ambassador in chains. And in the midst of being an ambassador in chains, it means he is in prison. He would have had Roman soldiers outfitted for the work that they were called to do in keeping him in prison. And Paul would have been familiar with this picture of what a Roman soldier wore. And he understood that if a Roman soldier was going out for a physical conflict, then they needed physical armor to defend them from that which they were about to face. But Paul says you're not facing a physical enemy. You are facing a spiritual assault. So a spiritual assault requires spiritual armor. And so here's what you need to put on. He says put on the belt of truth. John 8.32, it talks about the truth. It It says when you know the truth, it is the truth that will set you free. It is the truth that will protect you against falsehood and lies and deceptions. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness, that righteousness that saves you and helps you as you walk in righteousness, the righteousness that God gives you, he says, put on the boots of the gospel of peace so that you can have a solid footing in the midst of a world that is, is crumbling and values that are crumbling in a world that, is, that has a foundation that is not always solid and sure. Put on solid shoes. The gospel of peace. By which you know forgiveness and grace and that you have peace with God and with one another. Put on the shield or take up the shield of faith. The shield that protects against the flaming darts of the evil one. The shield that protects us from the attacks of Satan. A shield of faith. A faith that points to where our true salvation lies in Jesus Christ. And then it says, take up the sword, the helmet of salvation, that that eternal and temporal salvation that is yours, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I mean, this is exactly why we ask you to pull out your Bibles when it comes time for the message to look and to read This is why we encourage you to be in Bible study, whether that's on Monday nights with Brad Alice or in small groups or in other groups in your homes because we want you in the Word of God. Because when you're in the Word of God, When you're spending time with what God says and His will for us, we understand that God in that moment, as you are in His Word, He is outfitting you with the armor of God for the battle, the spiritual battle that you are facing, for the spiritual assault that Satan is levying against you, that it is here when we are in His Word that God is giving you that which will protect you and protect your souls. And that's what God wants for you. But then along with that, he continues and says, and therefore praying with all prayer, meaning praying in all supplication because that prayer puts all of this armor. It it, it brings it all together. In fact, one of my favorite hymns is the first hymn we sang today. I love the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, which as Lutherans, usually we sing that sitting down because it's just what we do. But but stand up, stand up for Jesus, right? And, And just listen to the words again. I love this. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army he shall lead, till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls our danger, be never wanting there. Do you hear that? He says, when you put on each piece, put that piece on with prayer. That one of the greatest pieces of armor that we wear as a people of God is we wear the armor of prayer. That we are in constant communication with the one who has created us and redeemed us and has outfitted us so that when we go into battle, we know that we need not fear that battle because the victory is already ours. Now, one of the reasons I love this picture is because there is something I think we sometimes miss just a little bit in this picture, and it's this. That when a soldier put on their armor and they all put on that same armor, they all looked like each other, don't they? Right, like, could you tell in this picture who is who? Like, if I had put on this armor and stood in this picture, could you have figured out which one I was? No. And if you put on the armor of God, who do you look like? You look like the one whose armor you wear, don't you? When you put on someone else's armor, you look like the person whose armor you wear. And when we put on the armor of God, who are we called to look like? The one whose armor we wear. So that when Satan assaults us, he doesn't see us. But he sees the one whose armor we wear. And that when we go out to battle, we don't see ourselves out to battle, but we see ourselves in the strength of his might, wearing the armor, the only armor that is impenetrable, that can hold us and sustain us in the midst of the battle that we face. So that when we go out, we don't just go out by ourselves, but we go out with those that we go out to battle with, together. With our brothers and sisters in Christ who worship with us at at Saturday night and here at 8 o'clock and at 9.30 and 11. For those that are here this weekend and those who cannot be, that we as the body of Christ here at Grace, we go out to battle together. Because we are the army of God fighting together for each other and for the Lord. And the Lord has equipped us in his spirit and through his word. Which is why we keep saying that we want you as a family, the family of God here at Grace, to be deeply rooted in the Word of God. We want you deeply rooted in Christ. Because when you are rooted in Christ, you will not be uprooted when the winds and the hurricanes of life hit you. When you are suited up in the armor of God, in the power of His Spirit, in the power of the Word of God, you will not be defeated, for the battle is already yours. Can you imagine going out to battle already knowing that you won? That you're victorious? That you don't have to worry about the outcome of the battle? The victory is already yours? Because that's what God says to you, Romans 8, For we are more than victorious through Christ who loves us. So for you and I, God calls us to get suited up. To get suited up because it is time for us to go into battle. Because there is a spiritual war that is taking place. It is time to get suited up as the people of God, as the the army of God, in the armor of God. It is time for us to get ready for that spiritual battle and to go out and do battle. Because you and I, we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a battle for our families. We are in a battle for our beliefs and our values. We are in a battle for our souls. We're in a battle for our marriages. We're in a battle for our families. We are in a battle for our children. We are in a battle for our faith. So let's get suited up with the armor of God so that we as God's people, as His army here at Grace, can do battle for the sake of those who do not wear this armor so that they may have the same armor and the same hope and the same faith and the same salvation that you and I have. Let's get suited up for battle because it's time to go out there for the sake of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.